Merry Christmas, dear ones. It's such a beautiful night, isn't it? The greenery looks so festive. The tree is so cheery. Our poinsettias are in full bloom. And here we have gathered once again to hear this old familiar story about a young frazzled family weary from traveling, third shift smelly farm workers and their sheep, bright singing angels and glimmering stars. There is terror and joy and good news and amazement all wrapped up into the night's events. And of course, we cannot forget the main event, this cute little baby, right? This year, the story hits me a little differently because we know that the actual city of Bethlehem is quiet tonight. Too quiet. Last month, Palestinian leaders and Christian denominations gathered in Bethlehem and decided because of this devastating war happening in their midst, there would be no public gatherings in the actual place where we believe Jesus was born. No Christmas Eve worship, no tree or lights in Market Square, no Christmas parade with musicians weaving through the old city's cobblestone labyrinth streets. In the photos from the NPR article, it shows a very quiet street tonight, a padlocked souvenir shop. It feels really odd to be talking about the story from the safety of our cozy, beautifully lit sanctuary, as war wages in Jesus' birthplace. Did you know that there are three birth narratives in our gospel stories? And there are four gospels, but only three have a birth story. Luke is the story I just read with the shepherds and the angel. Matthew adds some genealogy to the beginning, and King Herod has a bigger role, and then there are these wise ones that come later with gifts. John has this weird poem about the Word becoming flesh, and there's light in the midst of our night. We'll read that one in a little bit towards the end. And the Gospel of Mark doesn't even have one. He just starts with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he launches into John the Baptist. He's just too much in a hurry to get the point across. This year, as I was prepping for tonight's sermon, I discovered something new. That there's actually one more account of Jesus' birth in our scripture. But it's in a really unlikely place. It's in Revelation. Now, this is a book that Lutherans don't like to touch with a 10-foot pole. It's weird and wild, and there are a lot of horrible things that happen in it, especially to women. There's a lot of strange number math and a whole lot of symbolism, which takes a doctorate degree in biblical studies to figure out. And I only have a master's. As Lutherans, we might hear small snippets of Revelation during the Easter season, or all saints, or a funeral. We read the end of the book, where all the bloody, fiery battles are over, and God shows up with this 12-fruited tree, and there's a river, 
and this beautiful promise that there will be no more tears. Revelation is a book about the end of the world. And it was written in the midst of horrible Roman occupation and Christian persecution. It's tough and complicated. And honestly, most of us really aren't sure what it's all about. And so I came across this text from Revelation 12, where it talks about this birth story. There's a woman in the midst giving birth, and then this great red dragon shows up with seven heads and ten horns. And this monster is so big that when their tail sweeps down to earth, it takes a third of the stars of heaven with it. This dragon stands right before this mama, ready to eat the baby before it's born, as it's born. And just as it goes to do this, the baby is taken away to safety, and the mama is taken to another place to rest. And this war begins in the heavens, where God's angels fight the dragon, and they win. They win. And this dragon as you might have guessed, is the same ancient serpent from the book of Genesis, that snake, the devil, Satan, the great deceiver of the world. It's a terrifying story. And I was fully prepared to ignore it because, you know, revelations and Lutherans. And then I remember this quote from author Neil Gaiman, that fairy tales are more than true, not because they tell us dragons exist, but because they tell us dragons can be beaten. They can be beaten. I know it's weird, dear ones. I know. But I'm here tonight to tell you that we need to put dragons in our nativity sets. Because, yes, the story is weird and terrifying, and I don't like the idea of baby Jesus almost being eaten either. But we need to remember that the dragon is defeated. We need to remember that they will be silenced. The big dragons of war and hunger and greed and climate change and poverty and racism and sexism and death. And the smaller, more cunning dragons, the ones who breathe on our necks and sit on our shoulders and weigh us down and keep us up at night, the dragons of cancer and illness, the dragons of depression and anxiety, the dragons of debt and unfulfilled hopes and dreams, our shame and our guilt, our messy relationships and our sheer exhaustion. The Christmas story proclaims to us tonight that no dragon is too big or too terrifying to stop God from showing up. And even as a vulnerable, slobbery, stinky baby, God can kick some dragon butt. And so, dear ones, you can take a deep breath tonight. You can relax your shoulders and hang up your sword. 
or tonight we celebrate and sing and light candles to remember we do not need to be dragon slayers anymore. For as the prophet Isaiah proclaims, the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, you have broken. For all the boots of trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood, blood will be burned as fuel for the fires. For a child has been born for us. A child has been given. An authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continuously, and there will be endless peace. For he will establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. Amen. Thanks be to God.